Stories are powerful. As we've already been able to enjoy one of the skits that New Life Drama Company has given for us, it's fun to be able to see a story being played out. It's awesome to hear stories told. One of the, one of the main thing that all of us have in our, t- in our houses, most of us, majority of us, what do we have? TV. A TV! <laughs> we have a TV! Which does what? It tells stories. TV shows, movies, even the shopping channel. Because <laughs> it's trying to t- sell you something so that you can live and tell your story. For just $19.99 a month. <laughs> Stories are powerful. They can bring awakening, transformation, story after story after story. There was a, 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 a bet uh, that uh, one writer uh, took. His name was Ernest Hemingway. It was a bet this guy took with these other writers saying he could write the shortest story. He could write an entire story in six words. It's a powerful story. Because stories are powerful. And here is that story. For sale, baby shoes. Even typing it out this morning, I was moved to tears. No matter how short the story, it can move us powerfully. Stories have been used in powerful ways to inspire generations in the past. The Bible that we have itself, the Bible itself is stories. Why? Because God loves stories. God uses stories powerfully in the life of his people to transform our lives. To show us where we might fall, our thinking might fall short of his glory, of his best for us, of his people and for his glory. Amberlynn and I have been reading through the book of Judges and every time we're like, oh, Israel, stop. Why would they write these stories down? To help the future generations not forget. To tell the story of the dumb people from their past so that we can learn from them. What we talked about last week, God has a plan. God loves a plan. God has the law and the prophets that he wants to show us his plan, wants to show us how we're supposed to live, how to be, who to be, our identity in Christ, our identity as God's people. And then I talked about it during Coffee with Alan. If you haven't watched it yet, go back to go our Facebook page or to our website and check out the, the Coffee with Alan this past Wednesday. I talked about last week was Sukkot, this awesome celebration of glory. It's also known as the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And every single festival from Passover and Unleavened Bread to the Feast of Weeks 
to the Feast of Trumpets and Yom Kippur and, and Sukkot. Every single, every single celebration that Israel even celebrated and, and, and took joy in was based around the story of what God did. From deliverance from Egypt to wandering in the wilderness to his care for them and taking care of them in the wilderness and setting them on the path to joy and flourishing, coming into the land flowing with milk and honey. It's not Montana, but it's pretty close. Because our God loves stories and he wants to remind us of who we are, how to be, how to live the joy and the flourishing that he desires for us individually and for us collectively through the story that he tells. Through the, through the stories of what he has done in the past. And God gives us, God gives you a verse in his story. The word witness or testimony, testify, can I get a witness? Testify! This word comes from the Greek word that is, that is used as martyr, where we get our English word martyr. So the martyrs were literally those who had a story to tell, and they would not shut up about it. They would not stop telling the story. Peter said, woe to us if we, if we fail to preach the name, to speak the name, to tell the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't tell any other story because there's no other name by which we can be saved. There's no other name that we can preach because there's no other story greater. No matter how epic the Marvel series was, no matter how awesome Star Wars is, no matter how epic Lord of the Rings and Hobbit are. Can I get a witness from my, from my fellow nerds? woo Stories. God loves stories. He loves giving people a verse in his story to tell. I mean, think about the word history. History literally means his story. So when you think about history, think about that is God's story, his story. The story of God lived out from Genesis to Revelation, and we're right there in the middle of it. We're right there in the middle of his narrative. We're right in the middle of the story, the eternal, glorious story of God being lived out in real time right now. And you are here in this room for a portion of God's story in your life. Like I said, the Bible is packed full of stories. One specifically is a guy named Paul. Paul, who used to be named Saul. And this, this is his story. He would, <clears throat> he would tell this story over and over again. So, for instance, the book of Acts. The book of Acts is written by a guy named Luke. And Luke actually got to go and hang out with, with Luke. I'm sorry, with, with, with Paul. If you look at, at Acts chapter 16, the verbiage changes from they to we right in smack in the middle of his trip in Philippi. So Paul and Silas picked up, uh, picked up uh, uh, Luke in the midst of Galatia, the region of Galatia. And he started wandering with them, walking with them, and doing ministry with him. 
And he got to hear Paul's story over and over again. And so Paul's, you know, so Luke's account in the book of Acts in, in chapter 9, where, where, Paul, where it's telling the story of Paul's conversion, is Paul telling Luke his story. Probably in prison somewhere. And then he retells the story in front of the, 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 the Jerusalem people in the midst of the temple courts. And then he's imprisoned up, you know, up in Caesarea Maritima for another two years. And he tells the story again to Felix. And every time he goes to a new city, he's telling his story in the synagogue to his fellow, fellow brothers and sisters in the, in the Jewish faith. He's telling them the story, telling them the story of Paul, of Jesus and his encounter with him. This is his story. Acts chapter 22. This is when he's in, the, in, the Jerusalem, in, in Jerusalem in the temple courts. This is what he's saying. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, fellow believers and elders, boys and girls, please listen to me as I offer my defense. Now when everyone realized he was speaking to them in their Judean Aramaic language, the crowd became all the more attentive. Then Paul said, I am a Jewish man who was born in Tarsus, a city of Turkey. However, I grew up in this, in this city and properly trained in the Mosaic law and tutored by Rabbi Gamaliel, according to our ancestral customs. I've been extremely passionate in my desire to please God, just as all of you are today. Now, going back to this one just for just a second, this would be like, yeah, I was trained by one of the Supreme Court justices, personally. Like, I know my stuff, guys. That's, this is the, the equivalent in their culture by being trained by Gamaliel. He was, this, this, this dude was smart. He had, he had some brains. I've hunted down and killed the followers of this way. Christians. I have seized them and thrown them into prison, both men and women. All of this can be verified by the high priest and the Supreme Council of Elders, the, the Supreme Court of Jerusalem. For they even wrote letters to our fellow Jews of Damascus, authorizing me to arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a brilliant heavenly light suddenly appeared, flashing all around me. As I fell to the ground, I heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, the victorious. I am the one you are persecuting. Those who were with me saw the brilliant light, but they didn't hear the voice of the one who spoke to me. So I asked, Lord, what, what am I to do? And the Lord said to me, get up and go to Damascus, and there you will be told about all that you are destined to do. Because of the dazzling glory of the light, I couldn't see. I was left blind. So they had to lead me by the hand the rest of the way to Damascus. A Jewish man living there named Ananias, came to see me. He was a godly man who lived according to the law of Moses and was highly esteemed by the Jewish community. He stood beside me and said, Saul, my brother, Saul, open your eyes and see again. At that very instant, I opened my eyes and I could see. Don't miss this part. I think for many of us who are familiar with the Bible and familiar with Paul's story, can miss that this could have still, for the entirety of his life, I mean, this is toward the, the, very, toward the end years of, his, of Paul's life. 
Paul is saying, this is my story of God. That God healed me. That a miracle happened. Like I said, I used to kill Christians. I used to imprison them. I used to do this and that to Christians, to the church. I hated them. And Christians would say, oh, yeah, Saul becoming a, a, a Christian. Yeah, that would take a miracle. To which I would say, exactly. It took a miracle for this man to become a part of the church, but also not just a part of the church, a powerful voice in the story of God. And it took a miracle. Then he said to me, the Lord, I'm sorry, the God of our ancestors has destined you to know his plan and for you to see the Holy One and to hear his voice. For you will be his witness to every race of people and will share with them everything you have seen and heard. So now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins as you call upon his name. Then I return to Jerusalem. After three years, there's another part of the Bible where it says there's a three-year gap between that time and when he re returned to Jerusalem. And while I was praying in the temple, I entered another realm and saw him. He said to me, hurry and depart from Jerusalem quickly, for the people here will not receive the truth you share about me. The Lord... I argued. They all know that I'm the one who went into our Jewish meetings to find those who believe in you and had them beaten and imprisoned. When the blood of your witness, Stephen, was shed, I stood nearby in full approval of what was happening. I even guarded the cloaks of those who stoned him to death. Then he said to me, go at once, for I am sending you to preach to the non-Jewish nations. The crowds listened attentively to Paul up to this point. But when they heard this, all at once they erupted with loud shouts saying, get rid of this man, kill him. He doesn't deserve to live. Stories. This was Paul's. This was Paul's story of transformation. Paul's story of God. Now there were a few other people that had stories like this. Of transformation. Let's hear a few of those now. My name is Jesus Christ. Jesus. And I can change your lives. Your lives. Just like I changed their lives. Our lives. All you gotta do is get to know him. Listen to these here testimonies and you too shall believe. Before I got to know him, I was a nobody, nothing going nowhere. Nowhere. I had five husbands. Five? And the man I was living with wasn't even my husband. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. You don't want to even know how many kids I had. Ten? Twenty? Thirty? All right, I think they get it. Anyways, one day I was walking to the well to get some water, and that's when I... Got to know him! He gave me a glass of that living water. Go, go, go! And I haven't been thirsty since. No! You might know me better as the woman at the well. The woman at the well. Get to know me, get to know me, get to know me! Ha! Do I still make the blind to see? My eyes! Do I still make the deaf to hear? Say what? Do I still make the lame to walk? Woo! Listen to these testimonies and you too shall believe. Before I got to know him, I was a nobody, nothing, going nowhere. 
Nowhere. I was a thief. I was a really bad thief. How bad were you? I was so bad, I got caught. And now I'm hanging on a cross. And that's when I got to know him. And now I'm walking in paradise. And I even have my own mansion. And I didn't even have to break into it. He used the key. You might know me better as the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross. Get to know him. Get get to know him. Get to know him. Get get to know him. Before I got to know him, I was a nobody, nothing going nowhere. Nowhere. I knew everybody, and everybody knew me. If you know what I mean. Oh no, she didn't. I was possessed. Had seven demons living in me. Seven demons. One day, I heard a knock at my door. Knock, knock, knock. I opened the door, and that's when I got to know him. He cast those demons right out of me. He set me free. Hallelujah. You might know me better as Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Get to know me, get to know me, get to know me. Ha! Do I still do miracles? Yeah, you do. Do I still uplift the brokenhearted? Amen. Do I still feed the 5,000? Hallelujah. Listen to this last testimony and you too shall believe. Before I got to know him, I was a nobody, nothing, going nowhere. Nowhere. I hated Christians. <laughs> I persecuted Christians. <laughs> I even killed me some Christians. <laughs> but one day, I was on my horse riding down to Damascus. Then a bright light knocked me off my horse. I look up, and that's when I got to know him. He changed my life. Yeah, he did. He changed my name. What's your name? I even went on the right two-thirds of the New Testament. Two-thirds. You might know me better as the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul! Get to know me, get to know me, get to know me! Ha! Get to know me, get to know me, get to know me! Ha! Get to know me, get to know me, get to know me! Ha! My name is Jesus Christ! Jesus! And I can change your lives! Your lives! Just like I changed their lives! Our lives! All you gotta do is... Get to know him! Each of these characters, each of these different people had an experience, had an encounter with the living Christ, with Jesus Christ. Even Paul, who didn't walk with Jesus like the other disciples, like Mary Magdalene, like the woman at the well, like the thief on the cross. They didn't physically get to talk with them, and like we didn't. Like us today, each one of us who has encountered the living Christ, it's not like, you know, Jesus like, you know, like popped up next to us, you know, in, in the chair next to us and was like, hey, Alan, whoa, wait. Yeah. <laughs> we each have an experience, had an encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the truth of his death and burial and resurrection. And it changed our lives. As I said, I spoke at Christmas time, my story was one I was raised in a youth pastor's home. I was raised you know, loving Jesus and knowing Jesus and professing faith in Jesus Christ, going to VBS every single summer, going to the youth retreats, going to the, beach, to the bike to the beaches with my dad and my, and my dad's youth group. I was raised to love and know Jesus. But I never claimed him as Lord. Even though I got baptized, mainly because I, I didn't, you know, couldn't understand why everyone else got snack and I didn't during church. One snack, one little grape juice. <laughs> and so I gave my heart to Jesus. 
But I didn't truly understand. And I was in a play called Truth Slayers back in the day, acting. And so it was a youth musical. And as a good youth pastor's kid, I was one of the leads in the, in the musical. And I had this monologue where it was basically this guy who was wrestling with, he was trying to put on this mask around these people and, this, and these people. And every time he'd get around a different group of people, he'd take off one mask and put on another. The definition of what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is an actor who, who takes and exchanges masks depending on what character he's playing. And I realized that the character I was playing, who said, why can't I take off all these masks? I just feel like a hypocrite, was me. And the night before the musical, this darkness came over me. This revelation that I did not know Jesus and he did not know me. And it was like the, the enemy was claiming victory over my life and squen- squelching me with his darkness and power. And like a light out of the heavens, he, Jesus broke through. And I cried out, Lord, save me. And the darkness has never returned. God set me free because I encountered the living Christ July 1st, 1995. I've never looked back. What is your story? What is the witness to your story? What is my story? It ain't about me. It's about what happened to me. Like a witness in a trial. You don't ever, you know, the, the trial, you know, in, in the courts doesn't center around the witness. It centers around the defendant or the prosecutor. It, it, it rests around a case. And different people are giving testimony and witness to what happened in that, in that case. So we become a part of the case for Christ through our experience and encounter with Jesus Christ. It's so much bigger than just us. I mean, think about that. Every victory, every, every character, every story in the Old Testament, you know, all the way back, I mean, look at guys like Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and then Moses all the powerful things that God did. David, Daniel, David and Goliath, Daniel in the lion's den, Moses and the deliverance and the splitting of the Red Sea and the 10 plagues, all these incredible, miraculous things. Every single one of them attests to the glory, the power, and the goodness of our God. Jesus himself, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ tells God's story because it's his story it's God's story and it's God's glory God's story and God's glory when God writes the story he gets the glory and when God gets glory what do we get joy when my wife is happy when my, when my family is flourishing, when we have an amazing time like we did Thursday, we had an amazing family time on Thursday in Butte, of all places. Whenever, we, whenever something amazing happens to those we love, to those we cherish and want to sacrifice for and, and to bring glory and, and happiness and blessing to, 
we get overwhelmed with joy. When I came home Thursday night and we were putting our kids to bed in the tent in their bedroom by lantern, I was filled with so much joy. And looking at the pictures of our time and the way that I wanted to bless my family during that, every time I look at those pictures I'm just, I, of our summer adventures and like Thursday night, every time I look at pictures of those times, I am filled with joy. And that's our relationship with Christ. When we bring him glory, when we tell his story and bring him glory, glory means just simply to make him known and to elevate him, then we get so much joy. When God's story gets glory, we get joy. And that's why our, our, our big why at Shift Church, you know, to glorify God by accomplishing the work that he's given us to do, when we accomplish the work and bring God glory, we get joy and we get to celebrate. Blessing just simply means happiness. When we make, when we, when we make God happy, we get happy because it makes us happy to bring him glory. When God is glorified, when he is magnified, when he is enjoyed by others, we get joy. And that is what God has called us to do, to elevate his voice. And you might be saying this morning, well, Alan, you don't know my story. I don't know if my story can glorify God. There, there's been so much brokenness, or I know people along the way in my lives that wouldn't say that, they've, that their story gives God glory. They would actually say that their story makes God out to be, look like a bad guy. Look at all the bad things that happened. Look at all the unf, unfulfilled hopes and dreams. Look at the brokenness. You may not, Alan, you may not even know this this morning. I'm sitting here, but I feel broken. I feel like my marriage is falling apart. I don't even think, feel like I know my, the person sitting next to me. I don't even think I know the person that I'm, is sitting in this seat. And you say, my, my story bring, brings you glory. But our God isn't a God just, that just, that, you know, the, the most glorified stories are the ones that like are just paved in happiness. Have you ever seen a movie that's like everything that is happening during the, the show or the movie is like happy all the time? That's a, that would be a boring movie. But what happens in most epic stories, most movies, you have life as it is, and then you've got some sort of boom, destruction or conflict or rising up this tension, and then the whole movie is solving this tension, and all of a sudden, boom, victory, climax. Transformation, change, new future, restoration, not to necessarily what it was before, but to a better future ahead. Because our God loves to redeem stories. Amen. What does that look like? Well, let's hear a story.
our God loves to redeem stories, to transform our lives. Jesus even said, in this life, you're going to have troubles. In this life, you will have disappointments. There will be death, suffering, brokenness, cancer, divorce, terrible bosses, car troubles. In this life, you will have trouble. But take hope. Take hope. I have overcome the world. So so whether it's a story of restoration and redemption during this life, or a story of glory that all the troubles when you pass away are left behind when you enter God's glory. Every story is a story of redemption. Every story is a story of God's glory. How does God want to redeem your story? To bring him glory and you joy and flourishing in the midst of our lives. Even in the midst of the trouble. Even in the midst of the brokenness. What is the redemption and the transformation that God wants for you? What is the part of God's story that he has given you to tell? That's part of the simple faith that we're talking about. is having that faith, continuing in that faith, pressing forward in that faith, that allegiance to Jesus Christ, knowing that in the end, guess who wins? Jesus. So if you haven't made that profession of faith this morning, if you haven't pledged allegiance to Jesus Christ, I invite you this morning to do that. I invite you this morning to, if you are a believer in Jesus and you've professed your faith, you've been walking with Jesus, and then you're going through a difficult season, you're going through a difficult time, you're saying, God, where are you? I'm thinking about giving up. Saying, God, redeem my story for your glory. Show me how my life, how this may be dark, this may be a dark season, a dark time. But I believe that you have light in the future. Whether it be tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, or until eternity, I will have my faith in you. My faith is in you, Jesus Christ, and in you alone. I do not put my faith in mankind. I don't put my faith in anything else. Money, status, security, health, finances, popularity, favor. I put my hope and faith in you and you alone. Knowing that you are the God who said, 
you have overcome the world. And that you said you love me and that you will never leave me nor forsake me. What is the story God is writing through your life to bring him glory? Jesus, we thank you for our story. We thank you for your story being lived out in, our, in the lives that you've given us to lead, to lead. We thank you and give you glory, Lord Jesus, for the stories of redemption of, in this place, the stories of, the, of the, when you redeemed us, when you brought us from death to life, reminding us of the greatest story of all, the death and burial of Jesus Christ, but for not forgetting the resurrection, because that is what makes it beautiful and powerful. The story of all stories, the glory of all glories, making your name the name above every name. And we proclaim that name this morning. We proclaim that story through our stories that you've given us to live. Help us to see how you desire to live out your story through us. To tell the story of Jesus Christ through our lives and through our mouth, through our hands and through our feet, and through our words, through the testimony that you have given us about you. And Lord, in the midst of our stories, in the midst of the trials and the, and the struggling, the temptation, the suffering, the suffering that has been, the trials that have been, the troubles that are now, and the troubles that are to come. Lord, we believe that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. And you cover all of our suffering. So that even looking forward, knowing that troubles will come, we believe that you are there in the midst of our story to bring redemption, to bring flourishing because you desire flourishing for your people. You desire joy in the midst of trials. Not that you don't say that they won't come. You never say that life is just going to be easy. But in the midst of the trials, that we would see you working a story of redemption in our lives and in our families. And in those in our, in our, in our, our friends and families around us, our coworkers, those who need to experience the story of Jesus, use us to bring that testimony, bring that, the story of witness of what we witnessed of Jesus Christ to them so that they can partake, God, in your story so that other people who don't know you, Lord, would be partakers of your glory, be partakers of your story, and that they would be given joy, the joy of salvation, the joy of you, Lord Jesus, who loves to salvage people's lives out of the dump and put them on display and, and elevate them, co-seeding us in 
in your presence in heaven. Show us the, the desire that you have for our lives of redemption. As we walk by the Spirit, show us, Lord Jesus, your story in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.